Our gospel lesson today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. Not a Canaanite woman, for God's sake, not one of those. In the Bible, Canaanite women show up early and often. In Genesis 24, for example, Abraham says to his servant, Swear that you will not get a wife for my son Isaac from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I live. A generation later, it's Isaac telling his own son, you shall not marry one of the Canaanite women. Later, Joshua, at the end of his life, felt it necessary to warn the Israelites against the Canaanites, saying, if you intermarry with them, they shall be a snare and a trap for you, a scourge in your sides and thorns in your eyes. Not a Canaanite woman for God's sake. Many centuries later, when the Jewish exiles returned from Babylon to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem, those who had married foreign women, including Canaanite women, would be told to get rid of them. The last line of the book of Ezra is, all these had married foreign women and they sent them away with their children. So please, not a Canaanite woman. Jesus would have learned that lesson in those Bible stories that he heard growing up. Like the rest of us, Jesus learned tribalism early. And yet here, in the Gospel of Matthew, who shows up to bother Jesus? A Canaanite woman. And of course, she is just like you'd expect. Aggressive, won't respect social codes, won't let Jesus alone. She shouts, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. When he doesn't answer, she keeps following him and the disciples, shouting. And Jesus still doesn't speak to her. But because the disciples are anxious, he says to them, by way of explanation, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Yet the woman actually then gets in front of him, kneels before him, blocks his path, and continues to beg for his help. And then Jesus says, It is not fair 
to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. For many of us, I suspect, this is the worst thing Jesus ever said. Is there any Christian or even any potential Christian or any former Christian who is not troubled by this story and its equivalent telling in Mark? Troubled by Jesus' refusal to help. Troubled by Jesus' tribalism. Troubled by his terrible metaphor that equates the Canaanite woman with a dog. Was it the worst thing Jesus ever said? Well, we don't know everything Jesus ever said, but of what we have written down in the Bible, yeah, don't you think? I think if I had said it, it might feel like the worst thing I had ever said. Even with a record much longer than Jesus's of things I shouldn't have said, if I had spoken like this to a person who approached me for help, I'd be pretty sure it was the worst thing I had said up to that point. I'd probably lie awake all that night, worrying about it, trying to make it unhappen. In fact, I might carry the burden of those words forever, the way I carry so many other memories of terrible things that I wish I had never said. I would carry the burden of knowing that I was not, after all, the person God kept hoping I would be. But maybe this story didn't end with those sleepless nights for Jesus. Because every time Jesus tried to shoulder that burden of not being the person God hoped Jesus would be, this Canaanite woman insisted on lifting it. That blows my mind. She refused to let Jesus be anyone other than the person God hoped Jesus would be. She told him exactly who that person was a person suffused with divine power and compassion. A person, and I'm quoting now from our Moravian ground of the unity, a person who entered this world's misery to bear it and to overcome it. A person who would not let tribalism stand in the way of healing. Every time Jesus seemed to insist that she'd gotten him wrong, that he was not this person, she contradicted him. She did not let him rest until he accepted this version of himself, even though he denied three times that he even knew the person that she was talking about. Look at that. The first time, when she called him Lord, Son of David, he denied by not answering. The second time, when the disciples asked him to do something, he denied that he could do anything because he was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And the third time, when he finally spoke to the woman herself, was when he denied his God-given identity by saying the worst thing he ever said. And still she persisted, so that at last he responded, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And with that, Jesus repented, of the worst thing he ever said. Now, it's curious that he says to her, great is your faith. Faith in what? 
The Israelites' principal objection to the Canaanites was their practice of faith. The Canaanites served other gods, of whom the God of Israel is said to be jealous. Why does Jesus praise this Canaanite woman's faith now? In what does she place her faith that Jesus should so admire it? Whatever her ideas of the divine, whatever she may have learned from her tribe's practices, this woman appears to believe that through Jesus, divine power has broken into the world. We would call that the inbreaking kingdom of God. And she believes that within this power or this kingdom, there is a place for herself and for the child that she loves. She believes that she can receive mercy and that her child deserves compassion. She believes that no tribal boundaries can keep them out of the kingdom, nor any denigrating words overwrite their permission to be there. And she offers Jesus over and over again a chance to believe that too and to participate in the kingdom with her, a Canaanite woman. For God's sake. To repent is to turn around, to change one's mind and walk a different way. In my reading of this story, Jesus changed his mind. It's hard not to see his initial response as one of tribalism and his final movement as one of repentance. He changes his mind not only about the Canaanite woman, but about himself. She insists on his being the person God hoped he would be. And at last, he lets go of the terrible burden of not being that person. By this measure, the Canaanite woman sets Jesus free, releasing him of a burden and unleashing his compassion, and his power to heal. Today, we have broken bread together to celebrate the Moravian Festival of August 13th. We celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit to our spiritual ancestors in Herrenhut, Germany, a bunch of quarreling Christians of various flavors, people who wanted to love Jesus but couldn't agree about how to worship him. Sometimes, their religious affiliations surely amounted to a kind of tribalism. And in their diverse community, they defended their own and argued with everyone else. Probably, there were from time to time assumptions about who had a place in the kingdom and who did not. We don't know all the things our ancestors said to one another, but we know the effects of tribalism on our society today. We know the kinds of things people say on Facebook and Twitter. And may I say it is a true blessing that our ancestors in Herrenhut did not have access to Facebook and Twitter. In May of 1727, the people of Herrenhut signed what we call the Brotherly Agreement, a list of rules for living in community. Each household pledged to follow these rules and that helped them get along better. But it took an experience of the Holy Spirit 
to make them do more than just follow rules and tolerate one another. Accounts of August 13, 1727, tell us that in the communion service on that day, people began confessing, apologizing to one another, asking forgiveness for their quarrels. It took the Holy Spirit to make the people of Herrnhut repent of their harsh words to one another, some of which may have been the worst things they ever said. Maybe the Holy Spirit also inspired a kind of holy insistence. Maybe each member of the community, through the Holy Spirit, insisted that the others really were the people God hoped they would be, people of compassion and healing. Maybe while insisting on their own place in the kingdom, each member insisted with equal conviction that all the others had a place there too that around the throne of God is a great multitude from every race, tribe, nation, language, church denomination, and even political party. Maybe each member encouraged the others. Come and see yourself as God hopes you are, and let us participate in the kingdom together. Perhaps through the Holy Spirit they released each other, from the burden of not being the people God hoped they would be, released them, and so unleashed their power of compassion and the power to love God and live in community and serve their neighbor. When we, through tribalism, refuse to see others as God sees them, we're also refusing to see ourselves as God sees us. When we deny the identity of others as children of God, we deny our own identity as children of God. What a mess we would be in were it not for the Holy Spirit, inspiring a holy insistence that calls us to repentance. Repentance releases us from the burdens of the worst things we have ever said, and unleashes our power of compassion, not only compassion for others, but also compassion for ourselves. Then we can see both others and ourselves with something more like the eyes of God, and know there is a place for everyone in the inbreaking kingdom, a place for everyone, even for us. Great be our faith that this is so. Amen.